Progressive Rugby League. memory serves, and I think it does, I've previously confided in you about my, for want of a better phrase, lack of Queensland chops. I lack Queensland chops. I really don't know much at all about goings-on, happenings, events or affairs north of the New South Wales border. Truth be told, I'm a little scared of Queensland and Queenslanders. I have the sense that if Queensland got to know me, John O'Duncan, they wouldn't like me very much. They wouldn't like my jib or its cut. But I have a feeling my trepidation of all things Sunshine State is based on ignorance. After all, as Queensland legend Kev Carmody once wrote in song, you only fear what you don't understand. And so today I ask you to bear witness to my continuing Queensland education. It's a journey that started essentially with Joe Gorman's Heartland, How Rugby League Explains Queensland. This book taught me a lot and propelled me from outright petrified to bog-standard fearful. And hopefully after today, if I see a Queenslander on the street, hey, maybe I'll say hello and offer them a frothy or even a frosty one. Do you have a preference, sir or madam? Today's lesson focuses on the north of Brisbane, the home of the Dolphins. Do you mean the Redcliffe Dolphins? No, the Dolphins. Are they not the same club? Yes, they are. I don't understand. Either do I. The good news is we have a guest who can set us straight or put us on a surer path in any case. William McGuinness is a renowned and much-loved Australian actor and author. Think Blue Heelers, Sea Change and Captain Kim for the former and a man's got to have a hobby, full bore and laughing clowns for the latter. He's also a Redcliffe Dolphins fan from way, way back, and he's kindly agreed to join us to talk about his reflections on how it all came to be, and among other things, what their entry into the NRL might mean for the character of South East Queensland Rugby League. It is a real pleasure to welcome William McGuinness to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. William, welcome. Jono, lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me to be on. Look, William, thanks for joining us. I feel like I should be adding some weighty letters to the end of your name, like OAM or AO or something, but... Either way, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. So, William, we're talking mere days after the Dolphins played the Broncos for the first time in the uh, Battle of Brisbane. What did it feel like for you, uh, for your team to be part of such an occasion? Because it's kind of remarkable when you think about it in the space of a couple of years, going from low-key, second-tier kind of footy in front of mere hundreds to battling for the city of Brisbane in front of uh, 50,000 and a million plus on TV. So for a Redcliffe fella, it must have uh, felt pretty surreal. Well, uh, I was there. Um, right. And, you know, I grew up in Redcliffe and went to school, uni, Brisbane, mm. all that stuff. I don't live there now. Uh, I live in Melbourne. But when I was growing up there, I was really into rugby league for about four or five years, to be honest. And yep. I went off Amarara. Mm. That's just the way it developed for me. And I was a bit sort of, when I heard that they'd won the franchise, I went, oh, that's pretty good, and, you know, you step back. I often go back to Redcliffe. Uh, I didn't through the two years of lockdowns, unfortunately. Mm. But when I went back, I always made sure I went to the Dolphins and you know, the Dolphin Oval and caught a game with a lot of the same mates. I, I used to go see a team with... My dad actually told me that, you know, you go play rugby now. Right. That's what you play, but you can always follow league. We always had a league team. That's how Brisbane worked. That's how, you, sort of, in a way, it's defined itself. One of the ways it defined itself through its league teams. Yeah. And going there on Friday night, I was lucky enough. I got a sort of a bit of a sort of a, a sweet invitation and yeah. box with some other sort of dignitary. But I'm a dignitary. <laughs> I was doing an author talk at Gympie Library, mm. and it was packed. And uh, the marketing wasn't trying to sell anyone into bulldust. It was packed, and you could actually see. It was a bit of fair dinkum stuff. I mean, I think that the, the new franchise might work. I mean, it's not the Redcliffe Dolphins that I knew, of course, because they've evolved into an NRL franchise. Mm. But what they do bring to that competition, Jono, and I'll tell you, this is fun. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm staring at two of my budget direct fins up hats. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They got done. Fair enough. It was a pretty reasonable sort of a game, a bit sort of messy. and You, you only actually appreciate how hard people hit in rugby league when you see it live. Mm. I mean... It's not the same game it was uh, when I followed it every weekend and I bought Rugby League Week. And, you know, I always remember that magical uh, Thursday or Wednesday, I think it was, when it came out. But uh, they were giving the point system ratings to to Brisbane games. I couldn't quite believe it. I thought, like, we'd sort of, you know, <laughs> it was a sort of new threshold of fandom. 
And I, I've still got a Rugby League Week in pictures. It was a pictorial special. Mm. And I had sort of quarto pages. It was a big, you know, it was a big sort of quarto publication. There was a terrific magazine. I did love it a lot. It was so, um, it was so sort of funny and quaint when you think back. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it was terrific. It, the atmosphere was great and the fun. It was fun. It, yeah. That's what I kind of got. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to last or how well they'll go, but I think they'll go okay because there's a real... Uh, it was just a lot of fun being there, and even though I was in a box, and I, I'm never a great supporter or a fan of match officials, so I've had that ingrained into me, but I just went... I couldn't help myself, and I was yelling, and I was carrying... I carried away. I mean, I was may have been in a box, but I was behaving like I was a wreck of showgrounds back in the day, and I got up, and I just yelled quite loudly... Poor decision, sir. Poor form. Poor form, sir. <laughs> Next door was a bunch of... I don't, it must have been the Brisbane Broncos version of where I was sitting and some guy <laughs> to me and across the partition said, oh, fuck off, you rah-rah. <laughs> <laughs> he recognised... You know, in rugby union, you've always got to call the ref, sir. Yeah, right. Um, fair enough, good call. Um, but it was... John it was fun. The silly hats and people sort of doing that little fin wave. Yeah. And it was genuinely fun. And, you know, NRL is a business these days. It's a part of the entertainment business and the gaming business as well as being a sport. Yeah. And that team, to have that sort of uh, another layer of just a bit of fun, mm. it's great. And it was, it was, you forget how much fun it is catching a pack train for a footy game of any kind. I mean, mm. I love all contact sport. I love, I'm still mad about rugby although it sort of breaks your heart a bit you know and I followed the footy down here but it was just fun and it made me think oh I, this is going to be good because going to the rugby league matches back in the day it was how I mm. learned Brisbane how I travelled to different suburbs uh, mm. so it was fun and I hope it goes and it lived up to the hype and it surpassed it a bit although I do think all that rubbish about the battle for Brisbane is just claptrap <laughs> yeah Exactly. Now, curious about your memories of the the Brisbane Rugby League competition from the seventies when you were a young bloke. You said you had four or five years where you were super into it. Who were the heroes? Who were the villains? Where did Redcliffe fit in the broader Brisbane Rugby League hierarchy? Were they the well, Battlers, the Silver Tails? Well, it's a funny thing, really. I mean, if, if, if you're a NRF, if you're a Sydney bound thing, it's a, they're a mixture in a funny old way, like the Shire, mm. like the Sharks, yeah. but they were also they were always a money club. So right. in a little strange way, they were like the Sydney Peninsula, you know, the Manly Peninsula. They were right. a little bit like that. But it, the Redcliffe itself was, um, oh, I don't know, it was always, look, I, it, I'd go into Brisbane and stuff like that, or, you'd, you know, I remember going out with a girl from Al- All Hallows, which was a girl's school in, in the Valley, Brisbane, and I remember going up the stairs, and she lived in a rather nice part of Brisbane called Hamilton. Um, and, you know, he said, where, where does he come from? School was fine, but when he found the father found out I came from Redcliffe, I heard him as I was walking up the stairs going, Redcliffe, Redcliffe, does the bastard walk upright? <laughs> and he opened the door, and I did my best Simeon impersonation and just sort of waved my arms out, went, <laughs> and the look on his face. And I mean, if you've ever taken a daughter out, or I don't know, or a son, or a child of a, a father, and you get that look, it's wonderful. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was the way I got to know 
Brisbane. As mm. I said, you know, you had you know, there was eight teams in the competition. Redcliffe was the youngest. It joined in uh, I think sixty. Mm. Kenny Rowan, who was an international from the Blue Australian fullback for a couple of years in the uh, the late fifties, he came up and he was captain coach. You know, my dad, we used to, he had a BP service station, not my dad, but Kenny McCarran had a BP service station just up the road from where we lived. Mm. My dad said, you know, Kenny played for Australia and there's this dapper little bloke in the sort of, you know, sort of BP uniform. Mm. And I thought, my God. So he came, they were the youngest team. They did very well when they started. It could actually be a case of history repeating itself because they'd start with a bit of a bang, Redcliffe, when they went into the BRL competition. Mm. And it only took them five years to win a flag. They never won another one, of course, but they got close. They were, when I was following like, this wonderful, heartbreaking team of scruff nuts and great characters, and so they, it was easy to find heroes in the Redcliffe team. Now, there were eight teams in the BRL. There was Winner Manly. Mm-hmm. Winner were the other end of the bay. Mm-hmm. Now, Redcliffe and Winner always used to say, we're the better end of the bay, because they came from the south. Right. There was uh, Souths, the Magpies, uh, where Mal Meninga, Wayne Bennett uh, coached. There was Easts, they were always a pretty good team. Wests were a bit of a glamour team when I when I was into league up there. Okay. But brothers, most of the people from Reckless, the past brothers, that was Reckless' second team. I mean, they were instrumental in helping Reckless get in the league. Norths, Norths was, they were great Norths because their home team was called Bishop Park, but it was known as Bashout Park because whenever they played there, there was always a fight. <laughs> and Valleys, one of the all-time great names for a football team of any code, the Fortitude <laughs> Valley because that's where they were yep. based. They were called the Fortitude Valley Diehards. Mm. They were pretty good, though. They were a pretty good team. So I guess they were the big villain team. The Diehards. Yeah, they were the yeah. villain team, boys in Royal Blue. And they had, I guess, you know, another way you'd define the Redcliffe uh, Rugby League teams was they all had these atrocious team songs. Oh, it's funny because I was just singing the old, for some reason, I don't know why, I was singing the old Newtown Jets song this morning. It's oh, yeah. Been, Newtown is know, coming. Newtown is coming. <laughs> Yeah, the blue boys coming, Newtown, 13 men all dressed in blue, look out, doesn't it? <laughs> it is a beauty. That's a cracker. But Reckless were all sort of dirge, like Reckless was uh, a really mournful version of Click Out of Shears. <laughs> oh, you know, the crowd sees a blur and the wing races away, it's another Reckless victory to celebrate the day. Oh, dear. And my father always used to say, that'll be the bloody day, because <laughs> Reckless wingers... I mean, wingers, I, I've never understood, quite frankly. Mm. I mean, but Reckliff wingers were just like a different species. Right. I mean, if wingers were a subspecies of humankind, Reckliff wingers were for a niche subspecies. I mean, they, just when you thought we'd win, they'd always bugger something up, you know, <laughs> Reckliff wingers. Well, as a, as a Parramatta fan from uh, the Sydney competition and now the NRL, yeah, I know a bit about wingers uh, buggering things up. Neville Glover comes to mind. Now, Neville Glover? <laughs> Yeah. And what about Chapman, John Chapman? He was he was an eel winger, wasn't he? Yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar. He came up to play for Redcliffe after he finished at the Eels. Oh right, okay. And oh, the other song, the other the brothers, past brothers, had a, a, a fantastic song. It was done to an Irish shanty, like it's the blue and the white, it's the team of the brothers, the team that's superior all <laughs> to all the others. We're the best in Brisbane, the cream of the state. Against us, the other teams just do not rate. Now the season is done and the playing is over. Till be the brothers, boys, rolling in clover. <laughs> <laughs> And my father, whenever they played it, they won. We were always happy when they won, but my dad would always boom out. It sounds like a police rap sheet. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit. Uh, sounds a bit theatrical. I can. I can see like where the attraction would be for yourself, who you know obviously got into uh, the arts. There's a connection there. So I wonder if that had a, a subconscious effect on you. No, I don't know. No, I think I was dragged rather unwillingly into the arts industry. Oh, right. Um, you know, but I, I did love the way every team had its own bunch of characters. Like brothers, I there was a great second row. They had a second row of prop chips. Half the game, Harrington, they called him because oh, he yeah. was shot half time. But he was a terrific player, <laughs> and it, it, they did something. Brothers did something which was almost no one in Brisbane could believe when they had the Panasonic Amco Cup, yeah, big competition. And they for the first year before they had combined Brisbane. Mm. They had Brisbane teams would go down and play in Sydney, uh, and they used to get thrashed. But brothers beat somebody. I can't remember who they beat. I think it might have been Balmain or Wests. But Chips half a game, Harrington, he was the man of the match. And I don't know, it was Rabs. Congratulations, you know, you've got your Panasonic TV, Chips. And Chips had, yeah, thanks very much. And he had this great thing now. If I could only pay the power bill, I could watch the bloody thing. <laughs> the days of semi-professional sport. Yeah, um, Absolutely. 
Reckliff seemed to me to have all the big characters. Like they had a guy called Bevan Bleakley. He was a champion amateur boxer and was a professional boxer. And you know he did more damage to other people in the ring than they did to him. So he had a pretty respectable record, and he was a tight head prop. And I loved Bevan Bleakley. Yeah, he was just up and about. And I always remember reading this article: "Tough as nails, hard as rocks." That's Bev. He <laughs> <laughs> was a mighty player. Um, he was a mighty player, and um, they had a. You know, in 73, I sort of started following them about 70, or 72, I think. Yeah. Because, funnily enough, you know, just talking about Reckliff, I'm just thinking about it now, they had a guy called Porky Morgan, Paul Morgan. Of course, was, yeah. And he was one of the founders of Brisbane, along with Steve Williams, the Broncos, mm. who was uh, the Reckliff 5 8 in the, the mid to late 70s. Mm. So I think Porky was a Brisbane boy's high, and Steve Williams was a, he's a, a terrorist boy. He was there. Ian Tiny was this fantastic lock. Rod Halley was a guy who was sort of like a big pretzel who was a second row and they used to call him kamikaze. He, mate, he'd tackle a battleship and he'd sort of, if he if he got knocked around a bit, he'd get up and have another go at it. Guys like that, they just sort of steal your heart a bit. Bunny Pierce was a fullback from up Black Buck Way, the high country. He'd had this huge, you know, this trip. He'd come down, he'd drive down hundreds of kilometres during the week, uh, go back home, and he was the nicest loveliest guy I mean he was a, had these old toe pokes you know when yeah. it was like you know those old heavy leather balls God alive he it was like a some of his kicks were like remote controlled toys you didn't know what you were doing and then you get the hand of it they'd sort of swing around <laughs> and come back in from these crazy angles or just they just skim over the the crossbar mm. and you just hear him laugh and I remember him at the showgrounds, the Reckliff showgrounds, kicking one. And he just clapped his heads and he laughed. He was ambling back and he just, someone said, go on your bunny. He said, I better go home and buy a, a casket ticket. It's my lucky day. And I thought, man, what a great, you know, to have a rugby league player say that to yeah. someone in the crowd. And you think the crowds were packed. There was only probably about three or 4,000 people there at the Reckliff showgrounds. But because you were so close, you could get, you were metres away from the action, mm. and he could tease the touch judges, you know, <laughs> these halflings that weren't, you know, the ball boys were more a part of the game than the touchies. Yeah. Uh, it was great. And Redcliffe had these big, crazy characters. Barry Muir was their coach when I followed them, and he was a sort of former halfback for Australia. He coached Wests in the 60s, and he sort of got suspended because he spat at a ref. <laughs> His major claim to fame, but, yeah. you know, he, uh, he was a great player and a firebrand. They, they seemed like bigger characters than they maybe were. And they all had day jobs, you know. Yeah. Well, the, the, I'm loving hearing your reflections there. And there's obviously a, a rich history. And I guess as a kid, these characters would have been just larger than life. And oh, I, yeah. I guess yeah. there is something sweet about the Dolphins being the team chosen to enter the national competition because it is the, the first time a Queensland expansion club has come directly from the Brisbane competition. You know, previously new teams have essentially been created out of thin air and rather yep. successfully, to be fair. And I guess that there was a chance to do the same this time around, but they decided the Dolphins was the strongest bid. And it's kind of serendipitous in a way. And listening to your talk is it kind of gives the NRL a direct connection to Brisbane rugby league history. Uh, you know, for obvious reasons, Sydney clubs have a strong and direct connection to the NRL and, its predecessor guises, but of course, the NRL hasn't really had that strong direct historical connection to Queensland clubs, but it does now, which is is nice to me. Do, do you think Brisbaneites appreciate that fact? I guess, you know, I get the sense a lot of Brisbane rugby league fans, particularly those of an older vintage, have long been a little dirty that the old Brisbane rugby league could often get forgotten or overshadowed by, by the Sydney comp and what it became. So do you think that that connection to history will, you know, be of benefit to the Dolphins? Well, I think you're on the money there. I think, and I think the NRL have lucked in, in yeah. a way. Because um, I don't know how much they actually even understood mm. the strength of the old BOL competition. Because, you know, it was always just the Queenslanders. And if the Queenslanders were any good, they'd come and play in the Sydney comp. But, you know, when the Broncos came in, and they came in in 87, or was it 88? When did they come in? 88. 88. Yeah, 88. crash of 87. But they were still founded by a bunch of people who were, had that idea of exceptionalism of the 80s. You know, the 80s were this time of economic performance, stripping down and mm. making 
more corporate and less sentimental and more businesslike. Mm. And they, it's not that they disdain the BRL, but when the Broncos were formed, they were, they were new. They were like, this isn't like us. This mm. isn't like the old little suburban clubs. Mm. We're going to match it with the Sydney clubs. And the Sydney clubs, you've got to understand the, the Queensland mentality back then. New South Wales was this high den of iniquity, which is funny because, you know, we were run by one of the greatest governments in the, in the history of state government yeah. governing in Australia. But it was like, yes, we're all the pokies and the gambling and the gangsters were. Yeah. That's a sin city with Sydney, King's Cross. We had nothing like King's Cross and Queensland. Oh, my, we had the Gold Coast. But, you know, Gold Coast, oh, that was the meter maids. <laughs> Healthy surf lifesavers and lovely people in golden bikinis. It was the place of money, of sort of a tough, hard, you know, the politicians from Sydney were almost as tough as the politicians in, in federal parliament. Mm, mm. They, it was this place where it was just a different way of doing things. It wasn't a Queensland way of doing things. And then we had this oh. club called the Broncos. Well, I'm not me because I'd sort of lost interest in league by then. And the Broncos really sort of cruelled rugby league for me for a, for a while. Right. But the Broncos came in and it's not that they shat on the old Brisbane rugby league, but they didn't have any need for it. Yeah. They got the they got sort of, you know, they had Colin Scott and uh, Lewis and Miles and Dowling from mm. with Manly, Langer from Ipswich. Mm-hmm. So they got what they needed and they stopped being those players. Yeah, Brisbane right. Play. Yeah. They became Brisbane Broncos in the NRL. And in a way, expansion then, which is what Ron McAuliffe, the old guy used to run rugby league in, in Brisbane, mm. was the meteors that killed all the old dinosaurs of BRL. And so Brisbane didn't really have any need for it. So if you remembered the BRL, you sort of remembered it fondly and you had, oh, yeah, because they used to get about 40, you know, up to 40,000 people for a Brisbane grand final. Mm. And some of the grand finals were fantastic. Like, I remember going to the 75 grand final, Reckler versus West. That was a great game. Mm. And the 80 grand final, which had one of the best blues I've ever seen, north and south. But that was one of those, the 1980 grand final weekend if you like you had the Sydney grand final of Canterbury versus um, Easts and the Steve Gearan try yes Saturday and on, on Sunday you had one of the best blues it was like you know Spartacus out there for I the think I time. remember seeing video of that actually yeah oh you know Mel Meninga not wanting to get involved because he was a serving police officer <laughs> and then when this Blake Peter Dutton poked him and it was a great it was an exciting game yeah but there is, you're right, Jono, there's a residual, uh, in, in an older demographic, there's a residual sort of, oh, the Broncos killed a bit of my weekend, mm. a corporate football team, and, you know, because they were an eminently successful franchise, they were always thought as a franchise, mm. and even though, you know, you'd see a big Bronco match, you'd sort of, when I was in town sometimes, you'd see all these people, I'd look at the colours, and I'd say, wow, oh, shithouse colours. <laughs> Yeah, and then you think their big sponsor when they started was Bernie Power. I mean, I always middle classes all get out. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it was always the working man's game sort of thing. Mm. And you had this bloke who was a sort of an anti-union busting brewer yeah, right. who sold his brewery that was supposed to be a little battler for bloody millions. He did a right out of it. It was, it was almost like the, the Broncos had this, come on, let's make coin, let's do well, let's get on. I'm nothing against that. Yeah. But it wasn't like, you know, the double sellers at Corbett Park, you know, when Reckless and Brothers were paying, yeah. you know, all those funny little things that you'd sort of buy. And it wasn't like the Brisbane Rugby League I loved and lots of other people loved. So the, the Broncos were always thought of, oh, they're pretty good and it's good when they go well. But in the hard times, people would drift away from them, I think. And it's interesting. Mm. I think you're right. I think I know that they're marketed as the Dolphins. Mm. Because I don't even think the people, the, the you know, they want that corridor of uh, expansion up the coast. Mm. Which, if they knew anything about Brisbane Rugby League, would know Redcliffe was one of the destinations for country footballers. Mm. Ian Tarney came from Rockhampton. I think uh, Rod Alley came from Gladstone. Artie Beetson came from Roma. Chris Close came from Chinchilla, you know, via Valleys, but he came from out there. Yeah. It was always a country footballer's destination. Peter Lease was from Dabra, which was a sort of dairy country at the back of Brisbane. Mm. All these players were country folk, country mm. guys. And so Redcliffe was always known as a sort of, you know, a rural place to holiday too because it, was, mm-hmm. it wasn't it was as flash or as dangerous as the Gold Coast. And it had sort of nice, beautiful, soft bay beaches, which were great for water sports, yeah. not great for surfing, but great for fishing and 
and yeah. sailing. It was sailing. It was a, it's a great place to go sailing, the Redcliffe Peninsula. Right. So I think that Redcliffe heritage can be used to draw an older demographic, that old Brisbane demographic, which would add spice to the Brisbane mm. Broncos, the Dolphins sort of banter. I mean, I know they tried to do that. And it's also coming out of Kevin Walters' mouth, who was just seemingly one of the nicest guys ever. Mm. You know, he can't really engage in a sort of, you know, gamesmanship or trash talk. It just doesn't seem to be in his nature. Even when he's sort of getting, you know, revved up and they, they show that in the dressing rooms, it's always like someone's just Mr. Bus. It's not like he's trying to sort of make paint, paint peel from the wall. <laughs> yeah. But they use it. I mean, because there is that sort of thing. And Redcliffe has that old BRL DNA in them. And if mm. you were brothers or Souths or, or Redcliffe, or, you know, you had to travel across the Bundy Bridge to get to Redcliffe showgrounds or the Dolphin Oval to play, you never really liked it because you'd always get a pretty tough game. Yeah. And it was great saying at Redcliffe. That's one of the things I loved about that club, actually. You know, you may have beaten us on the paddock, but let, we'll have a drink in the bar and see how you go there. Yeah. So, you know, they put on a bit of a turn for people that have come there. So they yeah. were always a popular club, but they were a club that got very financially successful. Mm. Even this is during the sort of the, the, the 90s and the 2000s. Mm. They got incredibly politically powerful too right. and that's uh, you know they had uh, even now they've got a pretty effective local member Luke Howarth who was a junior minister in the the Morrison government but he was always because it was always a sort of swing seat uh, they had the ear of the federal government because they wanted to keep it and then they've had this long term very successful uh, local member for the Labor Party the Palaszczuk government Yvette Das yeah, right. who's senior minister so they've had avenues to say listen we need a bit of help here or that's why they got that ground redeveloped and they've had that huge clubhouse which is like a mini Panthers club sort of operation right and I think it's revenue from its gaming facilities is uh, is one of the highest in Queensland you know that's the double edged sword I mean I love a punt mm. to, you know that Redcliffe has these multi the, the area itself has these multi-level the demographics there's some very wealthy people some affluent people well off people and there's people who do it a bit tough and their, their revenue from gaming is a little bit of a concern. But having said that, the Redcliffe Club itself, that leagues club organisation, puts so much back into the local community, like the community of, of the Morton Bay region. Like, you know, there was a paper that Murdoch, uh, the, the News Limited ran called the Redcliffe Herald, which is, I could go on, a, it was such a funny, you know, the old rag mm. to read midweek. But, you know, coming out in, you know, hard form was too expensive, so they just said it was online. So the Dolphins popped in and they said, well, we'll, we'll sort of create a new local newspaper, and they've done it. It's oh, been wow. incredible. So they're a fascinating club to look at, and I don't think the NRL really understand how lucky they've got. I think it's going to work this new endeavour because mm. they're anchored in real estate, in assets, they're anchored in, in the nostalgia and sentiment, mm. and the heritage of a successful football club. I, mean, you, if, if, I don't know if you ever come up here, Jono. Go to the leagues club. Yeah. And there's that many leagues clubs that treat their own that way. There's a wall of these awful statues that look like something. Do you remember how, how Han Solo and the Empire Strikes Back got sort of frozen solid, carbon, carbonite by, by Jabba the Hutt? It's yeah. as if Mark Murray and... The, you know, Artie Beetson and all these, Greg Olof and all these, you know, Cole Weir, all, all these sort of international, Bob Gerke, they've all been sort of, you know, <laughs> given the Han Solo treatment on this wall. Um, and you yeah. like, oh, then you read it and you think, well, it's pretty groovy, they've got so much old crap here, their heritage. And one of the loveliest places in that club, I mean, you know, it's just a club and, you know, is the, this bistro, this family bistro they've got, they call it Bunnies. Mm. Uh, and it's named after Bunny Pierce who was a, just, you know, as I was saying before, I mean, you know, I'd almost tear up when I think about him. Mm. Um, he was such a lovely, warm, sweet man. Mm. He died in a in an awful accident. Uh, and so this was the family bistro where you take your family to eat, and they call it Bunnies in honour of him because he was such a great family man. Mm. And I just, it's such a, there's a part of me that even though, as I said, I would often play rugby, there's a part of me that really, uh, you know, holds that place sort of dear to me. It's one of my ideas of Redcliffe. Mm. And when my mum died, she laughed the rugby league. I don't know, she always said, so my dad used to have this joke. He said, you know, you, we play rugby, but you get your team, you go to the league, and when you go to the league, it's like free therapy. You can say anything and no one matters. Mm. No one cares a jot. 
and mum was always yelling out and carrying on and uh, you know she had a fun happy time at the league and I, when I think of rugby league and even when I was sitting in this box uh, 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 you know this faux Battle of Brisbane mm. which is an unfortunate title because Battle of Brisbane was when the American soldiers took on the, the diggers in the Second World War it was a dreadful mm. thing mm. but uh you know, um, I was thinking of all the people that I used to sort of love going to football with. You know, just you know, if I go with my mates, I'd just, and then I'd say, there's your mum going off again, and there's your dad not far behind, but all yeah. over the up the other end. And I'd laugh, and I was thinking, you know, she did love that rugby league team. And when she died, uh, one of the great things, and this sort of sums up this sort of team is, and it's this, maybe it's the, the area of Redcliffe, or, and I know we're not talking about Redcliffe. But the Dolphins, to me, are a direct conduit to Redcliffe, and I'm yeah. just trying to get it to the place where they were born from. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were following the casket out, and I just couldn't believe there was Peter Lease, who was this gun outside centre from the 70s. Mm. And I saw him, and I said, man, jeez. I almost asked for his autograph. And I, at the end, I said, no, thanks for coming. And all he said was... I knew your mum loved the footy and I thought I could come. I can remember hearing it cheering mm. us on. And I just thought, fuck, what a great bloke. Yeah. What a mighty guy and what a terrific fucking club. Yeah. And if you get a fucking rugby league team, barracks for them. Now, I'm not saying like a rah-rah now, that Brisbane is <laughs> a Bronco man to be happy with me. <laughs> but, I, uh, yeah, I, I find it's, it's easy to get emotional talking about them. Yeah. And you know what? I'll tell you this much, Jono. Hmm. Looking at that team they've got now, the NRL franchise, they're a little bit like the old team. You know, they like, oh, didn't yeah. have any stars, but they had red-hot goers. Mm-hmm. You know, they had blacks that are just like Ray Stone and yeah. that bloke from South Sydney who just... And even Wallace, who's a bit of... He's a, he's a weird cat. He's a goer. Like, Tom Gilbert, he's a goer. He's a, oh, my God. You know, when you look at, I look at that guitar and I think, oh, God, he could, he'd be great. He'd be a fantastic rugby player. But you look at, you look at Gilbert and you think, well, that's the heads made for rugby league. And it's sort of, you know, when Katani Staggs scored that length of the field try. Yeah. He got away from those three defenders. Who was the one that just chased him and knew he couldn't get him? And I, yeah. fuck, I love that endeavour. I just yeah. love that sort of heart. Yeah. And, that made me think of this time I, it, watching a game at Corbett Park years ago when Wayne Bennett was playing for, um, I put it in one of my books actually, I had to change around a bit. Yeah. Brothers thrashed us. They absolutely hammered Reckliff. It was in the wet. And Bevan Bleakley was chasing Wayne Bennett and it looked like, and he was the prop's not going to catch Wayne Bennett. And I just, some kid said, get him, Bevan. And you could just see, it was late in the game. <laughs> You could just see him just, fuck, I'll get this lanky string bean. <laughs> and he got him about 10 out. And it was only about 100 people in the rain. Yeah. And we were cheering. It was just fantastic. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's whether Gilbert knows that or not. <laughs> it's just, that's an old-fashioned record Dolphins thing to do. Yeah. You can't catch this bloke, but you're going to let him know and let his supporters know that we're coming for you next time. And that's yeah. it was so much fun. It was like... You know, you jumped... There were times watching it, and you know they're professional athletes. You know it's a corporate business. You know all that sort of stuff. But you sort of... Half of you jumps into the lorry, and then you go back to 1975, and you think, oh, this is fun. And I haven't felt that about rugby for a long time. Maybe that's, watching the Cowboys occasionally. Yeah, that's it's wonderful. A, and fun. They're, they're wonderful reflections. Thanks so much. And it's interesting, your comments about, you know being sort of a, a Dolphins brand or, or going the local way and it over the years in the Sydney clubs they've tried the, the sort of expanding their horizons and I think in the 2000s or late 90s they a lot of the clubs changed their names for for example Canterbury to Sydney Bulldogs oh. and Balmain to Sydney Tigers and I, know, I, used to lo- I used to follow them like in high yeah. school the teams you know a kid called Mark O'Brien he'd run a book on the Sydney League oh, yeah. <laughs> and the Brisbane League and I was a berries man. I loved the berries. Yeah. And I, I was this weird, like, I was telling, we were talking on Friday night, and I was saying some of those tries that Canterbury used to score mm. in the 70s and the 80s when they were the entertainers, mm. oh, my God, they would, they'd stand up today. Mm. Incredible. Yeah, and, and I think what, what they found was while they were trying to broaden their horizons, 
there's a trade-off and they lost something in that in that bargain and so they lost that kind of tribal feeling and, and I think that's what you're getting at with the oh, club yeah. being called the Dolphins and I think I noticed actually in the in the television coverage of the Dolphins Brisbane match a couple of the commentators um, I think it was Fatty and Cameron Smith they referred to the Dolphins as Redcliffe I think accidentally but it felt right and it felt really good so I, I, I think you know sooner sooner or later I think they'll go back to Redcliffe I reckon should I can have both ways I get the idea the marketing idea that you want to expand but yeah. you can have a bit of both and yeah. you know if they look at it and if they want to play on the brand corporate brand of I mean Tony Staggs looked like such a wally at the end when he scored that try I mean there he is he's just parading around the Milton Street end like he's some fucking character out of a Marvel movie <laughs> and then there's Gilbert just walked past him oh, well, we'll get you next time and I thought man this posturing shit Almost laughable. This is our house nonsense. That's borrowed some second-hand sort of NFL dish, mm. you know, from a, from American football. And there's Gilbert. He looks pretty old school, Gilbert. That's what I love about that head. <laughs> and I just thought, you know, yeah, they can have they can the Broncos can have Suncor Stadium. Mm. We'll take Lang Park because that's what the <laughs> that's what Redcliffe is. That's yeah. Redcliffe's RL. That's our lineage. Yeah, wasn't born in a boardroom. In the valley, it was yeah. You know, it was born on the grounds of yeah, you know, Cougar Oval, and Davies Park, Corbett Park, Langlands Park, Reckless Showgrounds. You know, yeah. Park, and yet now we'll take Lang Park. That's where State of Origin was born. And I took a mate, and we were, you know, it's just you forget. I went we into the the first the first State of Origin match. Really, and uh, we were at the Melton Road end. That was I was still it was in high school. Yeah, and I always remember I had a. Chico roll and we won, and it was no one could quite believe it. To be honest, the Chico and roll it, or the victory? Well, <laughs> the victory and the Chico roll. <laughs> but I still have a Chico roll every state of origin, night. <laughs> and it's like it's is the magic here in my Chico lightsaber. I don't know. Is only one with us. Sometimes we win and sometimes we don't. Yeah. Um, but it's just a stupid thing, and you know, I get texts. You know, I got a mate who was working in in an oil rig up in the North Sea, and I got a text. Christ knows what time it was over there, but you've got a text that you got your Chico roll ready, Will. <laughs> so that's that's what I mean. People who don't like sport don't like sport, and people who think it's a part of the gaming industry and just a sort of entertainment business, mm. they're going to think that. And look, you can, there's an argument to be made for that, but all that other stuff. That's what that's why people love sport. That's mm. what people the memories and the, the the silly little traditions you give yourself. You know. Mm. And I mean, it's so funny too, you know, because when I was blowing up at the um, the referee and the touches, the touches, do you know they called three forward passes against the Dolphins in the first half? <laughs> three forward passes in a modern game of rugby league. I mean, who are they kidding? They didn't do it once in the second half, you know. And they're a protected species, and you know. But I, I just think it is madness it, in a part of the gaming industry, which the modern game is. If you had a race, say a harness race or a, a, a horse race or even a dishlickers go, if you had officials like stewards who are that, I'm not going to say incompetent, well, maybe incompetent or, or not consistent, there'd be an investigation. I mean, hey, people, you know, people going about the cost of living. That's a part of the world today. That This is a, a part of the gaming industry now, rugby league. But it's not going to go anywhere because governments make too much revenue out of the gaming industry then you've got to look after the punter. It's got to be better officiated. And I'm sounding like Jeff too. It's got to be <laughs> I'm loving this, William. This is, this is, I've been wondering how the Dolphins-Broncos rivalry would unfold, but you have just illustrated it oh, perfectly. No, no. This is wonderful to, to listen to. For every simian reclophyte who walks <laughs> up the, the stairs of a palatial Hamilton home. <laughs> Do you know, but I see even today, like, I'm writing this book at the moment about vernacular, Australian vernacular, oh, yeah. uh, and I um, I was just thinking, I was trying to fill it out, to be completely honest. <laughs> uh, you know, you both, I don't know if you're right, but you know what it's like if you've got to deliver something. And I thought, oh, shit, yes, sports commentators, because you know, that great turn of phrase. Of course. I've just fallen in love with Rex Mossipal over again. Oh, I mean, lovely. The moose. I mean, you couldn't have made him up. And I know he was a homophobe and probably... I don't know, racist and right wing, but my God, once you get past him being in the character, mm. there is in that 
the way he called football, and maybe it's just I'm getting older and a bit of a silk, you know, I'll sort of cry at the drop of a hat. I've cried at McDonald ads, and I think, Christ, what am I crying at that for? <laughs> you know, um, there is, in his comment, it's not so much he's a commentator, he's like, almost like you're sitting next to him. Mm. And he's just a, a part of the crowd. I was watching this um, 86 test, I think it was the second test, mm. And you know who was better? The was it the Unbeatables or the uh, the Invincibles and yeah, yeah all that. But he, he was dropping some of the funniest fucking things. You know, Farah, he's trying to take Kenny's head off there. Farah <laughs> thinks he's a he man, but quite frankly, he couldn't have a sick girl off a chair. But that's just my opinion. <laughs> I mean, who who says that? Never think where HD and Roy came from. Yeah. There was this wonderful piece of commentary which is almost poetic. There's this wonderful movement from the Australian team, and he's sort of like he's almost orgasmic. He's having this sort of—I don't know—I can't quite explain it, but it just makes me feel so happy. Yeah. It's like he goes, um, uh, "English crowd, the ponies rising as one of this exceptional Australian team." I saw it in '82, uh, but to see it here with this team with the same—he's searching for it. He goes, "Charisma, yes, yeah, <laughs> beautiful thing." He does this pass, this calls you Lewis, a spiraling pass out to Kenny. Kenny under my cover, back in at Kenny. Look at him go! He's <laughs> scored! He's over! He's absolutely doubled down and diabolically destroyed them! <laughs> that is awesome. It is just beautiful. It's the same sort of feeling I get when I looked up and I was thinking, now what? I was laughing. I replayed it. I said it to people. You know, and they said, oh, Moose, look at him go, and we've got all these controversy corners and all that clap yeah. traffic. Well, there, um, there is a bit of uh, poetry about sports commentary. In one of your other books, I think Laughing Clowns, the main character is a, a bit obsessed with sports commentary and yeah. and often uh, recites it. And, and that famous Queensland try from 1994, you know, yeah. Meninga, here comes the big fella. That's, yeah, that's recited right. in that one. <laughs> When Ray Warren, he's going, he's in Rab's territory, you know, flames are able to red off. Hancock, kids, right to Darren Smith, Queensland are coming back. Langer, and then when Meninga gets the ball, he's full. It's a great bit of commentary, actually, yeah. because he stops being Rab's doing Rab's, and he thinks this is really exciting. Yeah. You know, Here's the big fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. I mean, you know, I hate to say it, but sometimes I watch that NRL 360. Oh dear. Just hear the voices and see the faces. Because <laughs> not any other sports show do you get a head like Paul Kent's or Rothfield. <laughs> I mean, they Well, they make Peter. Was it Crawley? Crawls? Yeah. You know, it's like they're characters from a sort of regional production of Guys and Dolls, <laughs> and they can't do the accents. <laughs> you know, Buzz Rothfield, what are you know what I'm saying, Kenty? <laughs> You know, the time and continuum of what is time, can't he? Just a sort of artificial measurement of life. Well, that's all right, but what I am saying to you, but you can't do that. Because if you're going to sit there and, and then a, a patch of schnoz, you'd fix it up. And then, you know, Paul Corey goes, well, what I say is who's keeping the time. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> it's hilarious. It is a wild show. It is a wild show. You're a braver soul than me to be able to watch it. Uh, I just, I just carry in the I corner. Know reputation, but I just sort of visit it. You know, I yeah, don't, fair enough. I don't play. The, the dolphins have actually sort of, uh, you know, they've sort of. I've watched a little bit of it, and I watched that thing on Stan. Oh, you? Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, I give myself. Oh, I don't have to be. Oh, I give myself, but I don't have to be. You know. He is such a character. He really like. Oh, what a how good was that press conference? What did you think of that one? Oh, it was all right, wasn't it? <laughs> Just big beasts, you know. <laughs> the red, white, and blisters. Yeah, you know. But that was a. That's what I used to call the. Yeah, God. Remember the red, white, and blisters? The eastern suburbs. Too. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a good tune. They moved away from that now. They're the Sydney, you know, the Sydney Roosters. Yeah, well, I mean, they're trying to. I think they're trying to get it both ways because they're, like I said, the clubs. Most of the clubs who went to the Sydney name walked it back, uh, including Canterbury and and Cronulla, um, Sydney Roosters. They're still the Sydney Roosters, but they they try to embrace the Eastern Suburbs thing, and and the chants that the crowds do are all about East. So that I guess they're trying to sort of cover both bases. But William, I just wanted to, on a similar note and a related note, you, you spoke before, and I interrupted 
my apologies about your experience at the first State of Origin game at Lang Park. And in a, a man's got to have a hobby. Uh, you reflect on turning your Redcliffe battle axe block backyard into a, a metaphorical Lang Park. What, what was Lang Park to you as a kid? What, well, was it accessible or was it another land? Was it a mystical sort of... Uh, it was a bit both. Yeah. You know, in a way, and I'll tell you this, it was a lot more accessible than Ballymore. And I right. love Ballymore. Ballymore was the head ground of rugby union. Yeah. And Ballymore, to go, you know, even if you're on the hill at Ballymore, it was like a... Uh, Chino's. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, all that <laughs> little stuff. And I mean, a, a great Ballymore story, though. Like, 73 was the first time I was... Wouldn't have even been nine. Mm. Maybe I was just turning nine, and my dad... That would have been... Yeah. We, we, he took me to see Tonga, Australia. Mm. That was the first test, rugby test, and, and Tonga beat Australia. <laughs> I could not believe. <laughs> when you go... We drove in, which was like, oh, we're not going to catch the train. We're going to drive into Ballymore. And uh, we, had, we had to go back across this old uh, two-lane bridge called the Hornibrook Highway, which was this wooden bridge, and it, you know, had was just had cross beams of wood and bitumen laid over the top. In primary school, we were told very proudly by a teacher, it's the longest unbroken roadway in the Southern Hemisphere. I mean, you know, <laughs> why would you boast about a broken one? But anyway, <laughs> but it had these sort of channel humps that you'd go over. My dad was quite frankly in shock. <laughs> And that was the only time I ever heard him say fuck in my life. Mm. Fucking. And we were driving on. And he went, Tonga. Fucking. Tonga. Tonga. Fucking. Tonga. And we got in it. And then we went right across the length of the bridge. We got in. My mum said, was it a good game? Oh, a smashing game. The, the Islander boys did very well. They were grand team. Weren't they, son? <laughs> but Lang Park... As I was saying, Lang Park, it was the big place. It was a Frank Burton mm-hmm. stand. Then they had the outer. I loved it. They had an old uh, scoreboard up the uh, the churchy end. We had a big Coke sign and the press boxes where the commentators and used to sit. I, God, I saw a funny thing once. They had this guy called Fonda Matassa, mm. who was OBH commentator, and he was the golden Greek. He's the fu- There's so many famous stories about him. Mm. Like he used to play with a comb in his sock. He'd do his hair after he scored a try. The, the famous story that someone else, you should get someone else to tell about him jumping out of an ambulance when it was taking him off the ground. He was a commentator. My God, he, he was so fun as a commentator because he did so, he was so loud. Once, Reckless and Brothers were playing a midweek game and he got the hiccups. That, that's hysterics. It was Brilliant. Brilliant. But he was banging on and I... God, I think it was a Corey Mail journalist who was leaning out of a window, banging on Fonda's window, but Fonda was just bellowing and couldn't hear anything. <laughs> God was going, shut up, you fat bastard. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that happens in all sport, but, you know, this is the home of rugby league. It was Lang Park. Yeah. But you go there, Saturday, Sunday, finals, interstate matches maybe. It was a place... That was important because it was the home of rugby league. Everyone knew that. Mm. Uh, Lang Park, uh, named after John Dunmore Lang. He was an old fiery Presbyterian minister, I think. Mm. It was a Republican. Mm. And what started to become a Republican in the, the late uh, 19th century. Yeah. Uh, and it was where uh, state athletics championships were held. I can remember, you know, Lang Park was big because uh, behind the Milton Road, uh, the Milton Road end, the tri line, they had a, they had a sort of a, a triple jump pit and a, a long jump pit. This is when I was playing rugby league. They had a hammer hammer thing where they tossed the hammer. Yeah. Uh, it was multi-purpose, you know. It was a, it was a place of, of import. And you know who came to, to Lang Park to watch a game of uh, rugby league? The mm. man from Atlantis, Pat, Patrick Duffy. Right. Yeah, I don't know what he was doing, <laughs> but he, he went and saw a pretty miserable game between Reckless and Souths. The man from Atlantis. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, it was pretty funny. Like, Patrick, you know, they had the shit house. They had really shit house mascots up in Brisbane Rugby League. You know, I remember the, 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 bloody, the bloody West Panthers looked like Itchy and Scratchy Cat, you know. <laughs> it was terrible. And they had a SeaWorld Sam was the dolphin. And the, 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 the poor bugger couldn't walk. It was a fiberglass dolphin. And he, he walked around like some sort of geisha with bound feet. It was, back, back in the day, you just laugh and laugh. Yeah. So, you know. 
I'm thinking here now, and I'm thinking of all the sort of stupid thing. Like I took a bugle once to the game, and I was in the Frank Burke stand, and there was a bloke called what was his name, Terry Butler, when we were playing Reckliff. Mm. He didn't have a kick for goal, and you know, and he was as he ran in, I just sort of I couldn't play it. I just blew, and the poor prick nearly had a heart attack, and he sort of landed over the other side of the, the train tracks. Stuff like that, you know, it's pretty, which is pretty poor sportsmanship. But then I was a simian type lad from Redcliffe. <laughs> that's um, right. But that's all that. It wasn't as far away, say, as the Gabba or Ballymore. Mm. And mm. I spent a lot of time at all three grounds, you know. Mm. But Park, I thought, oh, yeah, everyone can go to Lang Park. We play rugby, but we have a rugby league team. We support it like crazy learns because that's how you do it. You have fun. Yeah. They're just the blokes down the road. You know, the house painters, truck drivers, concreters. You know, cricket was slightly a bit different. It was a bit more aesthetic and a bit more... The same with rugby, mm. you know. It's funny. I mean, that's what I liked about the old league. And I, it's it's missed a bit. I mean, you know, Jono, when I was watching that game mm. Friday night, I was thinking, if these blokes had to pack scrums, they'd be shot. They wouldn't even make it halfway through a, a half. <laughs> there were like I four know. million scrums back in the day, weren't there? Like oh, 75. It's a strange thing in a way. In, in some way... It's not the game I supported when I was really into it as a kid. Mm. Even in the, it's not the same game. It was in the nineties. I think they had proper scrums, mm. but it's more sort of streamlined. It's more, it's more of a television product. Yeah, that's yeah. why you can easily watch it and enjoy it on telly. I think, and you know, the forward, the positions. You know, you, you look at some old uh, footage of rugby league. And yeah, yeah, I can tell. Here's a front rower. I mean, you can look mm. at Gilbert. Gilbert would be a forward in any bloody era. Mm. You know, these days, forwards are usually just swollen backs and vice versa. You know, they don't play anywhere. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's a strange, characterless game, even though it's probably the fiercest and hardest mm. contact sport in the world. I mean, you just don't realise how fucking hard they charge at each other. And yeah. You can hear that impact. No wonder concussion is such an issue now. Well, yeah, I mean, players are just so much bigger than they were uh, back in the day. I remember reading a, a stat or like from like an early kangaroo tour where there was one player who was over six foot and the rest were like, you know, five, seven, five, eight and weighing like 80 kilos. So, yeah, so it's just um, amazing. Now, William, I know I've got to let you go soon. I will let you go soon. One more question, if I may, just on that first State of Origin game. I'm curious, your memory of that, did it feel like something was changing that night or something had changed that night? Because I always see footage of that. And I've never spoken to someone who was actually there. So I'm just curious, you know, was it as seminal as, as it seems? It's one of those things. It was actually the same sort of this Dolphins game. It was mm. the same deal in a way. Broncos have got to watch themselves because they're setting themselves up. And I'm, I'll say this as a transplanted Queenslander down on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Mm. They're setting themselves up as pseudo-Sydney people. Mm. And, you know, saying, this is our patch. You're not as good as us. Mm-hmm. And they are, there's a bit of a swollen entitlement about the Broncos, you know, that they could lose. And you have got to understand what it was like to sit through hidings by New South Wales teams. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, just when the Queensland team would get ahead and think, we're going to win, Tommy Radonix had belt someone in the head or some cooked referee would give a penalty. Yeah. Uh, you know, my father went to the 71 final with this guy called, uh, was it, <laughs> Hol- uh, Holman, mm. who was a referee, he was a former rugby league uh, player, he played for New South Wales. He sent about eight people off. He more people off to the bloody stands than his ad hoc dinners. <laughs> and we were always getting linked, we were always getting belted. And then Barry Muir coached a team that beat, beat them 10-5, mm. I think, 75, and it was just bedlam, mm. you know. It was huge news. But that night... It was, it was pretty full. There was a sense of excitement because we'd been toweled up in the interstate series with just the sort of players from the two different comps playing. Right? And it was great to see, you know, John Lang, Rod Morris and a queen. Rod Reddy and Artie Beetson, of course. I yeah. mean, people say the raw when Artie beat, when bloody Rod Reddy, who was called out, you know, yeah. one of Rockhampton's finest. But it was a huge raw. Both had a huge raw. You know, Rowan Hancock, they had some guy introducing them. And I swear to God, when Rowan Hancock, who was a country player from Queensland, got called, I swear to God, the guy said, the man not born of woo. 
Rowan Granite, Rowan Hancock. <laughs> Rowan Hancock was shaking his head. So he was like, what the shit's going on here? But it was fun. And, you know, when we beat them, and it was to see these guys that you'd only seen on, you know, the big league from Sydney, like yeah. Edie, getting minced by Chris Close, or Meninga pushing around Mick Cronin. You thought, this is fan- this is actually great. And to, to win... It was like, yeah, you know, we've beaten the sort of sinful southerners. Yeah. That was, and it was fun. Again, it was fun, you know, like, yeah. And everyone was walking around like they were, they were sort of important. Like, we, there was a guy called John McCoy who was a football coiler there. And he was walking around and he was looking at the crowd thinking it was great. And then we just got stuck in being. You know, he had a voice like that all the time, John McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> we were going, he'll score, he'll score, he'll score. <laughs> and the guy couldn't get through the crowd. Memories will last a lifetime, eh? Yeah, two rides, I know. Yeah. I mean, look, we're all, we've all got an Indian obsolescence built into us. We all sort of drop off the perch. You know, you, even talking to you now, rabbiting on, yeah, jumped into the DeLorean, going back to 1980, going back to 75. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. You yeah. know, even though the Broncos always were sort of like, oh, it's good the Broncos won. It's, they were always, for someone like me, yeah. hard to really take pride in or cheer for. It doesn't mean they're a terrific outfit. Yeah. It just meant they're not my team. They killed off what I used to love. Yeah. Yes, I'm not the only one who look at the Dolphins and think, fuck, I hope they work. Because, yeah. you know, what? even though they're all modern athletes, modern rugby league players, I look at them and I was thinking, yeah, I can actually imagine some of these guys running around with Bevan Bleakley and Bunny Pierce and Tony Obst. Wow. You know, you know, it was like, you know, it's almost like, you know, <laughs> it's a part of this field of dreams in a way. Yeah. And that, and, to have a professional rugby league team give you that, and other people seeing this is fun, this team is actually worth supporting. Mm. You know, who knows? I might just all sort of fall on a pit to go the way the Gold Coast uh, <laughs> Beagles or whatever it was. But, you know, I hope they work. And, yeah. uh, and what a great chat. Sorry, man, I was going on like a buddy. No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> William, this, this here interrogation is really been in part a way to give me clarity about what the entry of the Dolphins into the NRL might do to the character of South East Queensland Rugby League and for a potential rivalry with the Broncos and you've just done that in spades so thank you so much. I'm kind of imagining like a potential Kel Knight Sandy Freckle kind of vibe with the Dolphins Broncos relationship you know. Well I think Kel would be the Dolphins and I'd be the Broncos. Yeah that's right well I think I think the good news in that metaphor is that if you end up as the Kel yeah, you may not be the club with all the money and all the success, but at least you'll be loved. I think, uh, I think that's, I know what I'd prefer. But um... Wayne, Wayne, your Lila was being blown away by the breeze. <laughs> William, it's been so much fun getting a taste of your uh, rugby league uh, reflections. Allow me to raise a metaphorical glass in salute of yourself and to the Dolphins, and to wish you both a, a long and meaningful stay in the NRL. Uh, William McGuinness, thank you so, so much uh, for taking the time to join us on the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Not at all a cock into sort of mix Wayne Bennett up with Kel Knight. <laughs> you're a little bit of freckle, you're a mole. <laughs> Progressive Rugby League. What a lovely, lovely man. William McGuinness, ladies and gents. Someone put some letters on the end of that man's name, for Christ's sakes. Hope you enjoyed. All right, time to fly. Thanks again for your time and your generosity. Until we next meet somewhere at a Brisbane Battle Axe Block Backyard Barbecue. Rugby, copy, and see ya.